Uh, hello? Paco? What the heck are you doing in here? Mark, quick! Grab a hammer and start boarding up that door! Is this more soundproofing for the studio? If so, I'm not sure these wooden boards are the best materials. Besides, if I board up this door, how are we going to get out? Get out? Get out? We're not getting out. But they're not getting in either. Who's not getting in? The zombies, Mark. Jesus, didn't you do the reading for this week's show? Yeah, but look, look. I I think you may have misunderstood the concept of philosophical zombies. They don't exist in this world, even if they exist at all. Oh, yeah? Then what's that? Uh, I don't know. I kind of hope we don't find out on today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to You've Got It All Wrong, a philosophy podcast for handsome people like you. I'm Chud Allen. I'm Paco Allen, the Yabulides of the Midwest. And I'm America's spook heart, Macabre Sanders. Too much? Too much? (laughs) (laughs) Two spooky names in one. (laughs) Two names. So in honor of Halloween, uh, we wanted to, in this episode, revisit a scary topic that we briefly touched on in an earlier episode. And that topic is zombies, by which we mean philosophical zombies. And if, by chance, you've been listening to this show in chronological order, you may note that we've covered a lot of ground since we first talked about these philosophical zombies in episode two on the mind-body problem. Since then, we've talked about possible worlds, modal logic, and a bunch of other stuff that's relevant to the zombie argument. So we wanted to tie all of this together and introduce some new concepts as well. What kind of concepts, you may ask? Spooky concepts. Thank you. (laughs) So um, I know everyone wants to jump straight into the thick of our zombie story. You want to hear the philosophical equivalent of a shotgun blast to the face of a walker. But like any good zombie story, we need to lay down some groundwork. We need to set the mood and we need to explain the rules of the zombies in our universe. Are these zombies that have risen from the dead as a result of some occult spell? Are they the result of some virus possibly created by the government? FEMA, I'm looking in your direction. (laughs) Are they fast-running zombies like in 28 Days Later or terrible CGI zombies like the ones in I Am Legend? Uh, None of these. Our zombies are none of these. And in order to explain our philosophical zombies, the first concept we need to introduce is that of qualia, which is a kind of holy philosophical created term that really doesn't get used anywhere else in the world other than amongst philosophers. I thought it was a small game hen, a small, um, <laughs> tasty. No, that's not. That's not what you're referring to. Welcome oh, to our taxidermy podcast. You've got it all wrong. <laughs> game hens and quail. Yeah. I mean, I get, and I guess for the the sake of this show, we can say it's qualia. <laughs> Are you going to do, do that for the entire episode? Uh, maybe i mean when it gets slow i'll say words like that uh so this was first introduced as a term 
kind of with this contemporary philosophical meaning in 1921 by, uh, who knew it, another philosopher who wanted to initialize his first and middle name, C.I. Lewis. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, no joke. Um, so qualia are basically the individual examples of sensory experience that we have. So it's kind of, you know, what it's like to be you or experience things as you. So, for example, you can think about what it's like to experience the smell of freshly baked donuts or bagels. Mm, donuts. Or the taste of a perfect gin and tonic. Mm, or gin and tonic. <laughs> or what it's like to experience personally you, what it's like for you to experience the sound of Howie Mandel doing the voice of Gizmo, right? <laughs> so like all of these experiences, that's how a donut smells, what a gin and tonic tastes like, the the joy you get when you hear Howie Mandel doing the voice of Gizmo. These are all things that are incredibly unique to yourself. They're the experience that you have smelling a donut, Chad, and the taste that you have, Mark, when you drink a gin and tonic and spit it out because you don't drink is totally unique and different from my experiences of the, of those things. What's the philosophical term for these things? Qualia. Qualia. <laughs> That's right. Daniel Dennett has a great uh, quote uh, about qualia that I love. He He says that it's an unfamiliar term for something that could not be more familiar to each of us the way things seem to us. Right. Right. I mean, it's a critical concept or a critical idea to our understanding of consciousness and what it means for me to be me or you to be you because it's these experiences of, you know, what it's like to experience things as me that seems to in some large way define me as a conscious individual in the universe. There's something that it is like for me to undergo each of these mental states. And that's that's unique to me. It's different than when you experience those things. Right. So uh, you mentioned Daniel Dennett's famous um, explanation of, of what these things are, this unfamiliar term for something that could not be more familiar to each of us. And, you know, philosophers kind of end up on two general sides in this debate about qualia and what it means and this concept of philosophical zombies. And it generally breaks down into physicalists who believe that the idea of smelling donuts just means something like olfactory nerves or olfactory neurons firing. You know, it's a physical mechanism in our brain that's happening where, you know, these chemical particles enter our nose and they stimulate some olfactory nerves and those send a signal up to our brain and the neurons fire and that's what the smell of donuts is. Right. Can I make one qualification? And I only learned this recently. Um, uh, in the same way that the uh, retina behind the eye is a, is a direct extension um, of the brain, uh, the olfactory nerves are actually uh, part of your uh, neural cortex. They're, they're part of your brain that extends into your face. Gross. Yeah, gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> um, so on one side, you've got 
the physicalists who say like, yeah, smelling donuts is just like a bunch of neurons uh, firing. And then you've got the dualists um, who uh, bring out pistols and shoot the physicalists. <laughs> well, I... Okay, I no? mean we can no. we can make it that that's pretty good. That was pre- that was pretty good. But I, <laughs> there are the there are believe that there's something more to smelling donuts than just neurons firing. Well, I think there are a lot of people who would say that there's more to smelling donuts than just neurons firing who would not label themselves as dualists. So epiphenomenalists, for example, um, and other people who think that mental properties are different from physical properties, but supervene on physical properties or have some other relationship that is uh, does, is not reducible to physical properties, but is not sort of like the magical, mysterious, non-physical, ghost, ghosty, spirity, stuff that uh that dualists seem to uh purport but anyway roughly speaking we can kind of like divide philosophers into into two camps and um you know it was just sort of like qualia is are either equivalent to physical states or qualia represent something that that are more than just physical states physical states of of the brain usually is how we think about it um I I think now maybe we can talk about the zombies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. We've got so the rules zombies. set out. Right. What are the rules? Don't feed them after midnight. No. Sorry. Carry on. The rules are zombies don't have qualia. Oh, I thought you meant the rules like you have to you have to sever the head from the spinal cord of a zombie if you want to kill it. If someone gets bitten by a zombie. You have to kill them immediately. Yep. Those yep. Those rules. Zombies those rules are crave important. brains. Yes. So the concept of philosophical zombies uh, was introduced by uh, one of Marx's countrymen, the Australian philosopher David Chalmers, in a paper he wrote in 1995 called Facing Up to the Problems of Consciousness. He liked this title and this paper so much uh, that he wrote a book in 1996 bearing the same title. It's worth noting, I think, that there are some other 20th century philosophers who also eschewed their first names for initials, like G.F. Stout, who uh, made arguments that were similar to Chalmers, but those arguments didn't employ the concept of zombies and so they didn't have the sort of catchiness of Chalmers argument and I think that's sort of why they didn't stick yeah I mean I think there were even earlier philosophers who talked about things like you know building complex machines I don't I can't remember if it was Descartes or you know somebody from hundreds of years previous who you know they talked about like building complex machines that are you can almost imagine them as like proto computers that would, you know, mimic the behavior of humans, but would be just right. mechanistic, right? So, I mean, this idea is in some way has been around for for a while, but yeah, when once the idea of zombies is around, it's like slap that thing on it and you're good to go. Exactly. And I think before we like get into the argument, I think it's worth noting that this isn't just sort of like 
a funny sidebar in 20th century philosophy. The zombie argument has been it does in some ways the zombie argument like rekindled the debate about the mind body problem and dualism over the last 20 years. And the paper that Chalmers wrote in 1995 has been cited um, as of a couple of days ago when I checked on it 2,112 times in uh, books and articles um, since it was published. And that's like over 100 papers per year uh, since it was published um, that it's been cited in. So it's it should be called the mind brains problem <laughs> thank you thank you for waiting yeah. this long in the episode to bring that out that's uh, that's an amazing restraint uh, it's, so okay so let's talk about the argument so it, it kind of goes like this imagine if you will a zombie mark imagine if you will <laughs> is this a twilight zone um, the zombie mark is physically identical to the mark we know but he has no qualia. So there's something that is what it's like for Mark to experience the smell of donuts being made, but there is no such thing as what it is like for zombie Mark to experience the smell of donuts being made. And so the this way is to like think the about greatest, this... This is like the greatest horror for you, Mark, right? <laughs> <laughs> imagining, imagining a world in which a zombie version of yourself can have the olfactory sensation of donuts being made, but not actually like experience the smell of donuts being made. Yeah, somehow the the pleasure, the uh, the the wafting uh, uh, beauty of of the donut process is not being received in my pleasure center. Right. Mm. Well, I mean, you're doing a great job of describing qualia, right? <laughs> Which is that all, all of the like nerve endings are. Firing, and if we did like the fMRI scan of your brain and the fMRI scan of the zombie's brain, like we'd see all of the same nerve endings firing, but you would have the experience of the smell of donuts being made, and the zombie would not have that hmm. he would just have all of the nerves firing in his brain i i, I so that's I, the I read a a similar article um uh, slightly off topic, but um, you know that feeling of when you you're listening to music and you feel goosebumps because you're kind of so emotionally um, right. uh, touched. Yeah. There's 10 percent of the population um, neurologically that that the feature that connects the the aural sensation with your your skin sense. There's 10 percent of the population who never experienced that. Um, so also they may be zombies. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think that's like the best proof for zombies that I've ever heard. Yeah, and not just philosophical zombies, but like conventional zombies who are like yeah. going to eat your brains. Also, have have they never heard Coldplay? <laughs> Don't they have a heart? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are, what are zombies are supposed to tell us? Like, what is this, uh, this, this very uh, heavy-handed metaphor uh, uh, giving us in terms of... Uh, news we can use so this is our basic argument our mark i.e me uh, is not a zombie in our world and he has qualia that unique uh, individual experience the uh, the uh, the question of uh, our mark having the feels as it were uh, when experiencing the smell of fresh donuts 
Uh, you really got me in the feels. Uh, <laughs> but there is a possible world where a zombie Mark, the exact duplicate, exists, and he does not have this qualia. Um, so regular Mark and zombie Mark share all of exactly the same physical properties down to every atomic neuron in their body. Um, so if regular Mark and zombie Mark uh, are different, um, then it must be because regular Mark has some additional non-physical property, some uh, property that cannot be measured down to a purely um, atomic level. So that would explain the difference, and that would be the the uh, the delta between those two would be the the qualia as such. Yeah, and so this is supposed to show that physicalism or some purely physical um, explanation of the world around us um, isn't true, right? Because if if physicalism were true, then um, if all of the same olfactory neurons were firing in both the Mark brain and zombie Mark brain, then those two beings would be identical. But what we're positing here is that that they're not the same, that, that the actual Mark has this raw sense experience of what it's like to smell donuts being made, but that the zombie doesn't have that. And so that means that Mark has this extra thing, this raw experience of what it's like to smell donuts being made. And that can't be explained by his physical nature or by our scientific observations um, of his physical states. Which, which is kind of scary, right? The, the fact that you can't, you can't actually prove something that exists, you can't measure something that's there, it, it feels like it's counter to the scientific method, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, this is, I think this is sort of like the conundrum of, of qualia is that we all have this very strong pull to believe that there is, that my experience of smelling donuts being made is like a real thing. It's like my experience of it is a real thing. And it's not just, it's not just, oh, like my you know, these neurons are firing in my brain. It's there's something that uh, it is like for me to smell these donuts being made. Yeah. Um, I think that part of this conversation tangents off into how do I know that anybody else experiences qualia? And that gets back to Descartes, you know, I think therefore I am. And the only thing that I can know is that I exist and I can't ever know that anything else other than me, including any other individual that experiences the world exists. And I don't think we want to go down that path, but I just, I think in terms of rebuttals to this idea that zombie Mark is even possible, like the first rebuttal is one that I think I probably brought up in one of the related episodes, either the mind body episode or, or one of the other yes, early episodes. I remember it about. distinctly. You brought it up in the mind body episode. Yeah, where, I, I, where? So the the argument basically goes that like the 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 philosophical zombie argument is circular because if you're talking about two separate brains, two separate physical brains, the Mark who experiences the smell of donuts and there's something unique that is the experience that Mark's having smelling those donuts. You experience you you compare that brain to the physical brain that's inside the zombie where it doesn't have that same experience, all those neurons fire, but there isn't anything like what it is to smell that donut as that, as the zombie mark. 
you know, like my argument in the mind body episode and this first argument, this first rebuttal against the idea of zombie Mark or zombie anyone is that if you have those same exact physical states, it's those same exact physical states that create that experience, that create that sensation that is what it's like to smell donuts as Mark. And that those two those two things are the same thing, that you can't have the same physical state and not have qualia. So either right. qualia exists in the non-zombie Mark or it doesn't, but you can't have the same physical brain state and not experience qualia. Right. Are you familiar with the term um, anthropocene? The phrase that means that we we experience um, the the universe, science, the world, philosophy from a, uh, a specifically human point of view, because that's the only point of view that we can express it from. Um, and the idea that we think we have a, a really unique, special snowflake um, experience and, and quality and qualia, only because we're arrogantly thinking that that our experience is somehow um, better than. Uh, something else's uh, treatment of exactly the same data and input. You are a special snowflake, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ever ever let anybody tell you different than that. The the, the Anthropocene uh, principle is also applied when uh, we feel that um, uh, we are the center of the universe because we're the only intelligent life and how the entire universe must have been created purely for us to have existed in this, this Goldilocks point um, within this solar system where water is liquid and we can experience the joys of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I li- I kind of like this uh, world, this universe view that you're describing where uh, everything exists purely for the purpose of a conscious being experiencing a donut. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, feel, I feel like the pinnacle of a species right now. <laughs> All right. Are there any other uh, arguments against these kooky zombies that we're talking about? Right. So, so the argument that you just laid out was that the whole notion of the philosophical zombie doesn't make any sense at all um, because qualia are just equivalent to physical states. Uh, there's another tack you can take here, which Daniel Dennett describes in his book, uh, Consciousness Explained, where he takes a slightly different approach and he says, you know what, like qualia don't exist. It's like a super confusing concept. And if you really try to describe what qualia are, you you end up just kind of going around in a circle and talking about these raw experiences or like what it's like to smell donuts or whatever, whatever, but you can't ever really pin it down. So he sort of ends up in a very different place where he says, you know what, like qualia doesn't make any sense. Qualia don't exist. And so the thing that you thought was uh, making the zombie mark different from the regular mark, those things don't exist. There, there's no such thing as qualia. And what that means is that we're all zombies. Nobody has any qualia. We're all just physical things. We're all just physical states. There's this whole idea of like what it's like to be me or what it's like to smell a donut is just a red herring. And when you describe the philosophical zombie as this thing that has certain brain states but doesn't have qualia, you're just describing all of us, all of us zombies. Isn't it Dennett who basically theorizes that the sensation that we describe as qualia is basically our brain 
analyzing its own internal thinking and experience process. So it's kind of like the brain turned in on itself. And it isn't this like special thing that we think of that we've, or at least that philosophers have described as qualia. It's just kind of like the camera turned in on itself. Right. Yeah. Like analyzing its own process of analyzing the world. Yes. And that, yeah, we're all, we're all zombies. If there are any zombies, we're all zombies. Right. Right. I'm pretty sure we also bizarrely touched on that same idea of our brain's analytical power turned inward on itself, analyzing the brain while it's analyzing the world in the episode where we had like the weird vice article where if you touch your nose and then like put a electric toothbrush or in the vice article, the vibrator under your nerve in your elbow, it makes it feel like your nose is getting longer. Yeah, it's like I'm that. pretty sure that was kind of like the same conclusion in that article is that like that. All, yeah, that, that like all, the brain is modeling the brain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like yeah. it could be just a neurological uh, systems check, like a, a parity or um, a uh, the way a computer performs a checksum just to make sure that the data is coming in is is the right data that's getting written to disk. It's just a, a side effect of this this uh, this utility function, which we're we're somehow imbuing with uh, with resonance and insight. All right, these zombies are about to break into the recording <laughs> studio. We better vote uh-huh. before we all die. Right. What are we voting yeah. on? So I think that we should vote on whether qualia exist. Like, is it a real thing or is it just is it just a made up thing in the way that Dennett says it is? Oof, huff. This is a tough question. Yeah. Because I feel like even in Daniel Dennett's description of what qualia are, they're still a thing. They're just not the they're just not like a fundamental thing that we think they are. But they're still a thing that is the result of our analytical mind, which we which is usually pointed or at least in the way that we experience it, usually pointed outwards towards the the world, the outward world, analyzing the temperature of the air and the feeling of the clothing we're wearing and the taste of the apple that we're eating and all that kind of stuff. It's that same process turned inward on itself. And and I, I think I do agree with that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense from a bunch of different perspectives, not just from this philosophical zombie perspective, but in terms of other conversations that we've had and in terms of like some stuff about neuroscience that I've read, like I think that all it, that all makes sense. But I, yeah, I don't know that you still wouldn't, you, you just still need a word to describe <laughs> what yeah. that experience is, right? So yeah. I, I would still say like, yeah, like qualia exists. It just might be this weird thing that Daniel Dennett and other neuroscientists are describing, which is the analytical part of our brain that is typically pointed outwards quietly pointed inwards analyzing and observing our own thought process right at the same time but no no philosophical zombies i don't think there can be anything that has the same brain state that we have that doesn't have the same experience that we have if qualia do exist you can't have the same physical brain state we have and not have that experience. So no, no right. philosophical Got zombies. It. So yes, qualia, no physical zombie, no philosophical zombies. 
Yes, correct. Okay, Mark? Um, it, it just occurred to me, this whole idea of, of zombies, which are physically identical to re- regular human beings, but um, but are not human beings. It just reminded me of the... Um, did you ever watch the uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot? A, yes. A couple of years ago? Yes. So um, there were all of these Cylons that look and behave just like humans, um, and they cannot be detected through any known scans whatsoever. So at what point... Uh, are they not human? You know, it's if if they're identical in every single way. It's like the the crazy person who says that everything in their home has been stolen and replaced with an exact duplicate. Well, <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I, I agree with Paco. I think that there has to be a name for it, and I think maybe with the advances in neuroscience in the future, we'll understand more about what this process is. But in the same way that now we think that uh, déjà vu is the fact that we are processing sensory input through a memory center, which is why it feels like it's coming from a part of our brain where we're recovering, you know, um, uh, a memory of an event, even if we're experiencing it for the first time. I think we'll, we'll find that there's a, a, a wiring pattern that we can, um, we can uh, attest to that, that is producing this, this particular um, situation. And, and uh, as one final point, I would like to nominate my favorite uh, uh, qualia, term which i i learned only recently uh during a a doctor who episode and that is the um the sense of petrichor petrichor <laughs> that is a, a which is what a, a pleasant smell that frequently accompanies the first rain after a long period of warm dry weather literally well there you bl- go the blood of the gods <laughs> um so I think it's interesting, Mark, that like you, I think that you're taking a, a stance that um, is sort of championed by Thomas Nagel, who basically says something along the lines of qualia do exist in some sense, but that we don't currently have the vocabulary to describe uh, what they are, that that we essentially, there's like another sort of scientific revolution that has to happen in order for us to sort of reconceptualize what consciousness is and and form a vocabulary to talk about things like qualia in a scientific way Hmm. you know which is all to say that like yes qualia exists but also yes we can describe them in purely physical terms but we just don't have that set of terminology right now can i confirm on the, on the subject of, of terminology is qualia plural correct would would, would one of these these pieces of uh, experience be a qualium no qualia is singular and quale are oh, okay. plural i was thinking along the lines of of, of datum and data but uh, so thank you for, for the qualifying. yeah i don't yeah well we need to get some did anyone on this podcast study latin uh, yeah. No, what I we need to know. get is to the mid-show break. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, vote, vote, goddamn Wait, you, man. I didn't vote yet. The zombies are busting through. Quick, to the mid-show break. I didn't vote. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is the part of the show where our heroes, that's us, get to take a bit of a break from the zombie attack. And the audience, that's you, can have a bit of a breather and digest what you've just heard. As usual, we want to thank you, our listeners, for all the support. We've been getting a lot more tweets and emails and comments on the website lately, 
And we don't make money off this podcast, so your support and kind words really are the reward we get for doing the show. It's also great to see our audience grow. It looks like we've picked up quite a few new Android listeners. The listeners aren't Androids, they're humans, just listening on Android devices. Or maybe they're Androids, I don't know. And speaking of watching our audience grow, we noticed this week that the voice of Apple's Siri started following us on Twitter. Not the disembodied voice, but the woman who actually performs the voice of Siri. That's pretty cool. I'd love to know if she's actually recorded the response, you've got it all wrong. Like, is there anything I can ask Siri that will give me that response? Anyway, show at SeriouslySusan some love on Twitter. Seriously is spelled S-I-R-I, like Siri. Pretty cute. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and give us a rating or review in iTunes. And share the show. Find some handsome person right now that you think would like the show and send it to them. Finally, the last bit of news, we're actually going to take a break from the show next week. It might not seem like it, but putting this show together is no small effort. And Mark, Chad, and I are all trying to hold down day jobs and pay attention to our families and stuff. So we just need to take a week off and relax a bit. But we'll be back in two weeks with a new show. Okay. That's it. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. It's time to dig into the trick-or-treat bag and either pull out a uh, razor blade-infused apple or a piece of listener mail. (laughs) Nick writes, from beyond the grave. (laughs) Hey, guys. Have listened to a few episodes and have enjoyed them. Good work. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. I have a criticism of Lewis's theory that I couldn't see addressed in my extensive 30-second review of his work on Wikipedia. If possible worlds are, quote-unquote, real, and they are causally isolated, then in order to claim that an individual may do X in another world, we have to make claims about personal identity. But that seems difficult, given that there is no causal connection between possible worlds. The only way out I see is to not include individuals in possible world scenarios. Meaning, like, there's no Magnum PI in both worlds? Right, so the the issue that Nick is pointing out, which, by the way, I thought was really interesting. I hadn't considered this before, and then when I went to do the research on it, not surprisingly, it's it's something that's been widely debated. Yeah. So what what Nick is so pointing this goes out back, is that this sorry this this goes back to uh, back to our episode on uh, modal logic and possible worlds. The primary uh, point of contention in that episode was whether or not Tom Selleck could have played Indiana Jones in another possible world. And I think what Nick's asking essentially is... Episode 15. Episode 15, thank you. If there are many possible worlds and they're not linked to each other in, in any way, which is definitively how possible worlds are described in modal logic. Right. It's kind of it's one of the big things that separates them from multiverse. Right. right? There are possible universes. worlds and there's right. multiverse. And possible worlds, there's no causal relation to them from one world to the other. Right. So like what Nick is pointing out is is sort of, okay, you want to say that there's a possible world in which uh, Tom Selleck played Indiana Jones. Well, is how do you know that, that, that Tom Selleck in this world is the same as the Tom Selleck in the other world who played Indiana Jones? Like here's maybe um, another thought experiment that illustrates this problem more clearly. So this comes from 
Roderick Chisholm, uh, who who's sort of I can't remember what article this was, but I have in my notes that it's from 1967. He says, take these two fictional characters, Adam and Noah, and just assume that the biblical characters are real and assume that there's a possible world in which Adam is just a little bit more like the actual Noah than Adam actually was. And that Noah was a little bit more like the actual Adam than he actually was. But if that world exists, then there's a further world in which Adam is just a little bit more like Noah and Noah is just a little bit more like Adam. And if you keep going, then eventually you have a world in which Adam and Noah have sort of switched roles, right? And so this whole notion of like saying that there's one world in which Tom Selleck didn't play Indiana Jones and there's one world in which Tom Selleck did play Indiana Jones. Now we're kind of like really like if it has one like notion of personal identity is that like, you know, a person is the same like over time because they have the same attributes. And now we're saying, Oh no, no, there's one Tom Selleck who played Indiana Jones and another Tom Selleck who didn't play Indiana Jones. And then maybe we say, Oh, there's one Tom Selleck who played Magnum PI and another Tom Selleck who didn't play Magnum PI and maybe there's one Tom Selleck who you know was blind and another Tom Selleck who wasn't and another Tom Selleck who was born in Argentina and another Tom Selleck that was born in the United States and pretty soon it's like well are we even talking about the same person at all like how how do we even know that we're talking about the Tom, the same Tom Selleck in a way by that the allows mustache. us to say it's clearly by the mustache well but maybe there's a possible world in which Tom Selleck didn't have a mustache no, nah, f- no, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Look, I'm not a fan of possible worlds in the first place, but if you're talking right. about there's a possible world where Tom Selleck doesn't have a dope mustache, that is the icing on the cake of my possible worlds don't exist cake feast. Right. Boo. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 um, the question that Nick is asking uh, is a is a question um, that that has been <laughs> the asked. Question and that I, Nick and I, is asking is a question. <laughs> well, I'm trying I'm trying to find a way to sort of uh, to legitimize this question in the face of your in in the face of your poo pooing. No, but, I no, I think I think Nick's question is legitimate. I think my poo pooing is in line with uh, <laughs> I think the sentiment of his questioning, which is like. How can you say okay, that we I have these possible headed. worlds yeah. and that that uh, Tom's that all these versions of Tom Selleck exists in all these other worlds, but they're not causally related? But then somehow there's like this connection between these different Tom Selleck's and the different worlds. It just like is even more stupid the more you examine it than it was the last time we examined it. That's my opinion. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I would suggest that Nick spend another 30 seconds on Wikipedia reading the article on counterpart theory, which is Lewis's uh, response to this objection about possible worlds. So Nick, you'll, you'll probably be happy to hear that Lewis considered this, this problem um, with possible worlds, and he actually came up with a whole theory about how to address it, um, which, which he calls counterpart theory. And I think it's it actually gets pretty technical um, when when you try to get into counterpart theory, but 
but Lewis actually, yeah, shocker. Uh, but, but Lewis actually, um, agrees with Nick on some level. And I guess maybe Paco also agrees with you, which is that he says that, yeah, like that, like there is no notion of identity across possible worlds. So there isn't Tom Selleck in this world and Tom Selleck in some other possible world aren't identical. They're counterparts. And then there's a whole like super technical definition of what a counterpart is, which basically allows Lewis to sort of skirt the issue of how we talk about two different Tom Selleck's in two different possible worlds. I don't feel like this is a very satisfying answer to Nick's question. Yeah, well, I think possible worlds is not a very satisfying topic in general. I also think that Tom Selleck without a mustache is one of the spookiest things I can think of. (laughs) Are we done with this awesome Halloween episode or not? Yeah. Okay. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you didn't listen to this episode with your children right before bedtime because it was super spooky. (laughs) If you haven't already, please take a second and hit the subscribe button. It means you don't miss an episode, and it also means that other handsome people find our show. And if you like this show, for the love of Pete, why not give us a rating in iTunes? What are you waiting for? It helps all the other handsome people in the world find this show. You can find show notes and other random things about this show on you've got it all wrong.net. And if you have a question or a comment or a fax, even you can now send those into the show. You can send your questions into questions at you've got it all wrong.net. You can send your faxes into you can fax us at 415-862-8998. That's 415-862-8998. The first five people to fax us actually get their faxes read. No, we I've, I've fixed it. We have unlimited fax receipt. You can fax us as many times as you like. Oh, really? Infinite How much faxes. does that cost? <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook. Just search for You've Got It All Wrong. Or on Twitter. The show is at All Wrong Podcast. I'm at Paco Allen. I'm at Chad Allen. And I'm at M. Saunders. Sorry for the editing on this. Yeah, no, no. That's, uh, I love editing. And brains. It's my favorite so your weekend activity. Was essentially that the whole notion Just of, say every of, word in the dictionary and I'll just <laughs> build the podcast out of it. Aardvark. <laughs> That's not the first word in the dictionary, is it? I don't know. It starts it with two A's. Be. Two A's in a row. A... <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. <laughs> can I, uh, hey Paco? Can I can I add a line in that you can slot in at uh, some point that's opportune? Uh, yeah. Uh, the line is, uh, "Thanks for your review on iTunes, Megan. My wife wanted to say hi." <laughs> uh, where do you want me to put that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like anyway, just like, in, in, at like, the front of the show, like before <laughs> anything else happens, like a disclaimer. <laughs> Like if my body's found somewhere in the ditch.